0: welcome to GMAT Club podcast this is Brian Phoebe bringing you GMAT Club podcast in conjunction with guruify.com. in today's episode we are talking to Priyanka Patel who was a recent applicant to Wharton obviously one of the top business schools in the world and she was successful in her application and we're going to be talking about some of the strategies and uh, highs and lows of the application process that helped her submit a successful application she'll be heading off to Wharton in the fall Then in Consultant's Corner, I'll be talking about some insights that Priyanka gave and my additional thoughts, particularly how you need to make sure that everything in your application aligns and makes sense. And uh, I think it's going to be a really fantastic conversation, and I hope that you stick around for it in this week's GMAT Club podcast. Welcome, everybody. This is Brian Phobe, And today we are speaking with Priyanka Patel as part of our ongoing series for GMAT Club podcast. I want to start by thanking you. This is actually our third attempt to get this. Both previous attempts were my fault. The first time um, my flight from Mexico got delayed. And so I wasn't able to get um, get home in time to record the podcast. And the second time was actually a lightning strike knocked out my internet at home. Um, So I wanna thank you for being flexible and uh, sharing your time with me. How are you doing this? I guess it's sort of dinner time around where you are, right? Yeah, uh, thanks
1: for having me. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing good how
0: are you doing, guys? Doing great, doing great. Uh, ready for the weekend, like I think a lot of us are. Um, <laughs> so one of the reasons uh, that we're having you on today is that you next year are going to one of the most um, kind of respected, prized, Uh, MBA programs. And we wanted to talk about the process that you used to apply to the school, get into the school. Um, So I think a good place to start is just to tell us a little bit about your background, what you're doing professionally, and where you're going uh, next year for business school.
1: Yeah, for sure. So I have my undergrad in computer science um, from a a college called BITS in India. And I was a software developer for about two years, and then I sh- shifted to product management. So I have been working in tech all my uh, corporate life. I have about five years of experience now. And um, I currently work as a product manager at Microsoft. And I'll be going to the uh, Wharton full-time MBA program this year in August.
0: All right, so you're coming from a tech background, um, and you're heading to Warden. Now Wharton. When kind of think about your professional timeline or your 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 progression, at what point did you think that an MBA would be good for you, or was it always your intention to sort of stay within tech, not on the technical
1: side? Um, so when I was pursuing my undergrad, at that point, and you know when I started coding, uh, at that point, I realized that I don't see myself doing this long term. Uh so I knew that I'd get because my undergrad was in computer science, I knew that I'd I'd get into software development. I mean, that that is like the you know uh obvious career path, but I knew that I won't be pursuing it for long because I was more interested in understanding the business side of things and you know, understanding why we do something, why we build something, how is it helping end users, how is it helping businesses. So um that's why i had thought that you know i'll i'll pursue software engineering for a while but then um you know i i thought that i need to move out so um initially uh, what i thought was that i couldn't get into product without an mba but then i saw some of my friends do it whether it's internally within the company or you know switching and getting like an entry level pm job at startups which do not look for much experience so unfortunately, in my company, there was no internal transfer possible. So I went through the startup route where I took an entry level PM job. Um, I hadn't thought about an MBA then. I thought that okay, I have gotten into product, and you know, I'll just stay here. But uh, with more experience, I realized that I want to know what are the other things out there. I also want to, you know, um get different perspectives speak with people who've worked in VC and finance have had their own company I am especially drawn to you know entrepreneurship so I I think I might want to start my own company someday Uh, so I thought an MBA might make sense because first of all I'd get courses in entrepreneurship second I would get exposed to people who have done it and have you know what it's like to understand if I'm cut out for it. And third, I think a good brand would really help you get funding or build credibility. Uh, but yeah, this is something that I realized across uh, um, these five years of my career. It's not definitely not something I knew when I graduated uh, uh, college. Under that, yeah.
0: So uh we've intentionally sort of spoiled the ending of the movie, which is that you've gotten into Warden, right? Um, but when you think back to the start of your application process, uh, so we're going to rewind to that point. Um, if you had like a time machine or a way to talk to yourself right when you decided that you're going to apply uh, to MBA programs, um, what would you tell yourself in terms of are there things that you stressed over that in retrospect, like I really shouldn't have sweated over that or are there things that you missed that you wish you would have known or are there things that you wish you would have done? Um, even though obviously you had a good ending, are there parts of the process, um, that had you known differently or done differently, you would have?
1: Uh, yeah, I, I think one thing is, um, so I had a very, uh, like a unique situation. Um, I joined Microsoft in April last year and, uh, I, I wished I would have disclosed my plans for an MBA uh, to my manager a bit sooner because what ended up happening was that he had himself he himself was planning an internal transfer to the US, so he was going to switch teams. And he he switched teams in September, so it was right right in October actually. So it was right close to the round one deadline, and uh, you know I was planning to apply in round two initially. Because, you know, I thought I'd have more experience at Microsoft since I had just joined in April and, you know, the more experience I have, the more credible my application would seem. So, uh, but then, like, when I started discussing with my manager, I, I, I was in the round two mindset. So, I thought that, okay, I'll, I'll I'll, discuss it with him a bit later. But when I told him, he said that, okay, I am moving teams. So, if you need my LOR, you need it now. Um, And uh, usually... Uh, you know, it, it's better if you get in one of the LORs that business schools recommend you submit is current supervisor. And I knew that if I, uh, you know, in round two, I wouldn't get a good LOR from, from the new manager that I would get, because I wouldn't have worked with him for that long. So that's why I, I had to sort of rush through my process, because I wasn't aware that he was Thinking of switching teams and he wasn't aware that I was planning on applying to an MBA. So um I think one thing that I could have done differently is disclosed my plans a little sooner so that I could have prepared better. I mean, like you said, it worked out in the end, but there was a lot of rush. So that is one thing I would have changed.
0: Yeah, one thing that's really interesting about MBA applications is how different companies view them. I've I've worked with clients, for example, who don't even want to tell me the name of the company they're working for because they don't plan to tell the company until they leave because they feel like uh, maybe if they don't get in, they'll be punished for wanting to leave the company or something like that. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's every single person has to be thoughtful about what their situation is. And obviously, you know, uh, with you, a sort of an unexpected change that happened. Yeah. Um, but it really yeah. does pay to be mindful of how it's going to impact your current situation. Um, to be honest, it's also... The bulk of my experience tends to be that people are pretty excited and helpful. Um, when yeah. When it says like I'm going to get an MBA, was that your experience that they were supportive and, and said, yeah? Oh, absolutely.
1: You know? Yeah, in fact, um, he was very supportive, and he was going to the US, and he had so much packing, moving, etc. To do, and even then, he took time out to you know help me like draft it, submit it, make sure he. To- he doesn't miss the deadline, even though he himself was on another deadline to leave the country. So he was he was extremely helpful. Uh, I think that means I was very lucky. Uh both the LORs I got both of my supervisors. One was an ex manager, one was from Microsoft, both were very, very enthusiastic, very helpful.
0: So going back to this the start of the, the process, um, do you remember how many schools that you had on your list of uh, of of uh programs that you were going to apply to?
1: yes so i uh, had shortlisted around five schools um i was sticking to m7 um, so i had decided to apply in HSW in round 1 and if uh, and what what my thought process was that you know if i didn't get in anywhere in round 1 i'd apply to Booth and kellogg in round 2
0: and then from there so how how what, how long was your runway i guess so you're talking about this was starting in september with applications that were due in the end of the year, is that timeline about right?
1: So actually, I had started speaking with consultants um, in April. Okay. Uh, because uh, I just uh, uh, I had given my GMAT. I didn't have anything else to do. Uh, so I thought you know might as well research consultants and you know try to find out who I want to work with uh, and i had started working with consultants in like mid-may even though when i spoke to them they said that hey second round makes more sense like round two makes more sense for you since you just joined microsoft so we were working together and uh, even though we thought that we'll submit in round two we were trying to do some of the pre-work um ahead of time so that you know it's no, there's no time touch there's no rush uh, in hindsight Thank God I started doing it in April because of this whole, um, my manager moving to the U.S. thing. But yeah, I started looking for consultants in April. I finalized one and started working with them in May. Uh, and I submitted my HSW applications in September, first week.
0: Okay, so you you started the submission process actually in the spring then. Um, and then you worked yeah. through the summer and got it done. How did you do that? Did you focus first on getting your GMAT done and then all the letters yeah. and, and essays?
1: Yeah, so I uh, knew that I wanted to do an MBA in twenty twenty um so I thought that I'll just get GMAT out of my way I I had heard from people that the application process in itself is so intensive so I didn't want to you know give my GMAT and then immediately start with the application process I thought GMAT is something I can give anytime so why not just give it now so I've taken two GMAT attempts I gave one in 2020 but I got a 710 which was lower than the average scores of the schools uh I thought I wanted to apply to so then I took it again in 2021, uh, September. So I was down with GMAT way before I started applying. Um, and then, yeah, then I think in April, I started looking at potential potential consultants, um, you know, speaking with people who've applied before, looking at poets and quants so on. And I shortlisted a few. Um, the way I went about it is I first figured out which schools I want to go to. And then I looked at consultant reviews to figure out who have a history of getting people in into these schools, especially people with my background, because um Indian engineering, it's a bit of an overrepresented school. So I wanted to make sure I go with someone who has who knows the challenges that come with this profile. Um and then then yeah, I started working with them in May. So the first thing I did was draft my essays, then came the rest. Then then came the resume. And then LOR sort of like you just have to prepare your manager, and you know, they have to write it. So um there was not a lot of effort required for the LOR part except for preparing them and telling them how people usually write it. Um, I mean, there's always a risk that someone would fill it as a performance review, but it has to be like a very clear recommendation for you. So there's a little shift in the way they usually write about you. So I I also spent some time, but that came later. And then at the end, I think I just had to prepare the short application questions that are a part of the school application, like what are your goals, what awards have you received, and so on. So this, this was the broad order of things that I
0: did. Yeah. And, um, how much tailoring did you do for each essay or did you sort of begin with a broad thing that you knew that you were going to have on all of the essays or did you enter each essay prompt as sort of starting anew and writing a fresh set of essays
1: yeah so uh this part is where um uh, you know our consultants uh take a very, very uh, organized approach, which I uh, think works very well. Basically, at the beginning, uh, they give you a brainstorming doc where they ask you everything about your life. So your personal life, what are some of the most difficult experiences you've had, uh, who have in with, who all have influenced your life your most, and also questions on your professional life, which you fill. I think it takes you like a good seven days, like a week to fill it up. Um and um, after that i think for each school you pick three four instances from this brainstorming that doc that you want to talk about um so uh the thing is certain content is reusable across assays like let's say if, nsa why if uh, stanford or what are your goals uh and how will what help you Here your goals will stay the same across schools maybe the content where how will the school help you, that will change. But the goals are same. So, uh, I mean, you do have to tailor uh, content based on the school, but for such kind of essays, you figure out which resources from the school will help you, which will change from school to school. The other thing is um, also some schools have like a very, very open prompt. So HBS uh, prompt is um, what matters to you the most and why. So I really couldn't reuse that content anywhere because Wharton has very specific questions. Why, like, how, what are your goals, and how will Wharton help you? And the second one is how will you contribute to Wharton. So they are very specific. But HBS is very open-ended, so I couldn't reuse that anywhere. Uh, Same thing goes with Stanford. Stanford also has a similar prompt. I think what matters to you the most and why. But there, I think the word limit is much shorter. So. I couldn't really reuse much content, and as far as tailoring content uh, goes, um, I I try to make sure I put the best my best foot forward. So um, I didn't really think about um, and I mean this could be a controversial opinion, but I this is what my consultant also told me that you know um. Basically, I, when I was, let's say for example, when I was writing my essay, I essay, I wasn't thinking what are some of the qualities that watin would appreciate that I should write about. Uh, basically, if the question is, you know, how will you contribute to in I was just thinking about my own strengths Um, that, you know, I think are most valuable. Of course, it has to be relevant to B school. I mean, you cannot write something wildly irrelevant. But, uh, you know, there's this myth that, Warden is a finance course. So maybe I should, you know, highlight how I have good finance background and maybe try to, you know, uh, mention that. I don't think you should do that. I didn't try to do it because uh, I know that is not one of my strengths. I don't have that kind of a background. I have a tech background. So I wrote about how I can use my tech background to help students there. So I think you should play to your own strengths instead of trying to tailor it based on the values you think the school values. Uh, But yeah, that's, that's the approach. I thought I'm not sure if I answered your question.
0: No, absolutely. You know, and one of the things that I will tell clients is, and it aligns more or less with what you're saying, is that every essay you should view as a completely blank slate. Now, what this means is, though, if you've done other essays, you might have either actual bits of text or ideas that you fleshed out or outlines for ideas and that you can import those in. But what you certainly don't want to do is sort of try to backwards engineer, um, yeah. you know, like the the Stanford essay, you know, uh, sort of broken into the two parts. And the first one is, you know, what matters most to you and why um, you don't want to then try to backwards engineer that essay because you don't want to do extra work in order to fit Wharton. And yeah. it, you can always tell when someone has written an essay that they feel is good, but doesn't really fit. And they're they're trying to cram it in and that doesn't quite work. Um, but in the course of writing it, if you're like, oh, you know, actually for my Stanford essay, I actually had a pretty good paragraph that hits this point. Exactly. You can bring that in. Right. Right. But the idea is again, that you are focusing on building something new for each essay. Um, another thing that's kind of related to this, and I'm curious about your experience. I always stress that, um, clients should view the application process as a two-way process in the sense that your focus as an applicant can can be too much on how do I make them like me and how do I get in? But there needs to be an additional process where you're thinking about, am I actually a good fit? And so yeah. along the way, um, it might be that, you know, whatever the school is, uh, you know, University of Business School or whatever, so actually I, that was my top school, but um, it's not actually a good fit for me. And the application process will often reveal that. Did, did do you have that experience where as you were going through the application process itself, it became clear that, um, I'm assuming that Wharton is your top school. You don't have to tell me whether or not it was, but in the in that yeah. process, did that become clear to you?
1: Yeah, actually. Um, so it's just so expensive business school. Uh, like I mean, when I decided that I have to pursue it abroad, and especially as an international student, I knew how much this was going to cost. So. At that point only, I had decided that I'm not going to apply unless that school makes sense for me. Because even the application, like submitting it itself is so expensive. I mean, I don't know if other people relate, but yeah, cost was a big factor. So I, I, when I shortlisted schools, I spoke to a lot of people um to understand if, you know... uh. If the school, I I went through employment reports to see if they have a good tech output, because short term I want to stay in tech, long term I want to start my own company, so, but again, still in tech, so I just wanted to know if it has a good output in tech, if it has good courses and output in entrepreneurship, so I went through employment reports, I spoke to students, um, connected with them through LinkedIn because I don't really have anyone in my immediate circle, like not a lot of people who applied to B school. So I I primarily use LinkedIn to find people and I spoke to them to understand if, you know, the school matches with my goals. Uh, and the primary reason was because you're gonna spend you put you're gonna leave your job. You're gonna spend so much money. And even before that, even hitting that apply button, you have to pay $250 per application. So you better be absolutely sure about the school. Uh, so yes, I did that pre-work and I did that. I mean, I shortlisted my school based on fit with my goals. Uh, But yeah, I think there are also other um, factors that people look at when they shortlist schools. But yeah, I, I made sure that it, like for me, goals was the most important part. So I made sure that they aligned with what I wanted to do.
0: You'd you mentioned that you're interested long-term in entrepreneurship. Did you feature that in your application, and how did you frame that? If you did,
1: yeah. So I um, mentioned that um, you know I did feature it in my application, and from product management, it it it, it sort of makes sense because as a product manager, um, so basically in B, this this sort of makes sense. This is what my consultant also told me, and I'm i and it it makes sense logically that you know when when you write what are your goals these they need to seem achievable like they cannot be you know wildly uh uh different from what you've done or even if they are there has to be a clear path to achieving it that you can prove to the school otherwise you know how the school can't assess if they can help you and uh it, it just won't make sense. So there ha- it has to be very coherent. Whether it's directly related to what you're doing or if it is not, there has to be a clear path of you reaching there with the school's help. Um, in my case, uh, and this is true for a lot of PMS right now. Like product management is a very general job where you're responsible for the success of your product and you do everything required for the success of that product. And a lot of PMs also end up becoming entrepreneurs because, you know, you sort of apply the same skills, but to a business. I mean, the scope is broader, but that connect sort of makes sense because you already do that maybe on a, on a smaller scale right now, but it, the skills are transferable and you know so that's why for me it was easy to show that connection um and the way I framed it is that in the short term I want to become a senior PM at a at a startup or a big tech company I mean the skills you acquire are you know different but both are very relevant and of course I would seem employable employable to the school because I already have PM I've already had PM roles at startups and at web tech right now. I'm at Microsoft. So that way like that short-term goal seemed would would have seemed achievable to schools. And then long term, because of all the skills I would acquire post MBA with, with the courses around entrepreneurship and with let's say a senior PM role at tech in a tech company, I, I would be able to start my own company. That yeah. is how I showed my career.
0: So if people have seen the videos that I've done for GMAT Club. What you're saying really aligns uh, with what I say there, which is my version of it is you should think of your application as presenting a straight line in terms of your past, present and future, and that they should align, They they should be coherent. And a lot of times applicants will think, I need to pull in the most interesting or most impressive things. And obviously you do want to have interesting and impressive accomplishments that you focus, On, but both in terms of the things that you choose and in terms of how you frame them, they need to make sense. And so, you know, for example, just to use a clumsy example, if your background was as, you know, working as a quant, but you want to work in, um, I don't know, uh, let's say run a charitable foundation. Okay, you need to, there's a gap in there where what, what you need to do in your application is to fill in that gap in a way that is a straight line that makes sense. Yeah. So you say, okay, yeah. you're, you're over here and you want to do something that's very different. What yeah. makes me believe, um, both in terms of what you have already done and the skills that you have and your vision of what you want to do at the school, what makes you believe that you can actually bridge that gap? Because, you know, frankly, I work with a lot of people who um, come to me with pretty half baked ideas about what they want to do. And yeah part of my job is like you either need to think this out more and I'll help you do that or maybe take a beat and think about applying later um, mm-hmm. because it comes across if you just have like yes. I want to I want to start a tech company it's like okay great but you have you have no coding background you have no entrepreneurial background you have uh, no quantitative background etc and so you you do have to to find a way to create a story that makes sense and that is honest and coherent And, uh, you know, you talking about going from coding to project management to entrepreneurship, that is a track that is a straight line and it makes sense in in that regard. Um, The last thing I want to talk about, though, is that so you're now um, admitted into the Wharton family. Uh, How has that process been? I know that a lot of times immediately when people get their admissions, they start reaching out to other admitted students already building the community even before you get to Pennsylvania. Have you started that process?
1: Yes. Um so um when you get admitted, what you creates a Slack group of people who've gotten admitted. And then, you know, people exchange numbers and then there's a regional groups formed and then there's a class group formed. So I've spoken to a lot of people because I'm based in India, I can only meet up with people in India. So I have met people, that's how I found my roommate also. And um, you know, there are just so many things that you have to do. You have to find a house, you have to figure it out have to open a bank account, getting a sim, and so on. So, uh, I mean, as an international, especially, so um, you have to connect with seniors. You have to find roommates. You have to connect with current students. All of that has been happening. Um, uh, I think we, uh, I, uh, I have ma- met with a few people in India multiple times. Like I said, that's how I found my. Roommate that I'll be sharing an apartment with, um, you know, and then that's booking flights. So we've all cooked <laughs> the same flight so that we we um, you know come we land together because anyway it, it just seems overwhelming. Like you're moving countries and you don't know anything about this about. US. I mean, I've never been to the U.S. So, uh, yeah, it's been good. I mean, the whole process seemed very overwhelming initially when I hadn't spoken to anyone and I thought, oh my god, uh, what now? But now after speaking with fellow students who will be going with me, uh, it it has been like I'm calmer eh, because you know we're all in the same boat. Everyone is figuring things out and people are very helpful. Um, I think uh, immediately people. You know, someone who's a senior, and then you know you create a group with seniors, and that person will add more people, you'll add fellow students. So, we have these groups with seniors also where you can post any question that you have because they have done the same process just a year ago, so they can help you and they can help you figure out all the basics like how to get an apartment, how to open a bank account, and so on. So, people are extremely helpful. Um, and yeah, I think, like I said, now I'm summer uh i was very overwhelmed right after i got my admit
0: well the hard part is behind you uh, and yeah. it makes sense. there are more hard parts to come um but this is the good the good part coming up um yeah. i want to thank you again for uh taking the time to sort of discuss your journey uh to wharton and uh kind of the the approach that you took and some insights into your application that helped you uh, build a successful application. I obviously want to wish you the best of luck at Wharton and beyond. Um, So once again, Priyanka Patel, thank you very much for joining us on the GMAT Club podcast. Thank
1: you, Brian. Thank you so much.
0: Have a great night. Yeah. Bye.
1: Bye.
0: Once again, I wanna thank Priyanka Patel for giving us her insights on the application process for Wharton. Now, for this week's Consultant Corner, I'm not gonna have uh, a segment with Nina and Sam, who are our two GuruFi.com editors who typically do this, but instead, I just wanna build on something that Priyanka talked about in her application, which is to make sure that everything aligns. Now, if you've watched any of the videos that I've done for GMAT Club, You know that in some of them, I I talk about this idea of, of making sure that your essay is three coherent points in a line that is kind of past, present, and future. And what that means is whenever you're writing a personal statement and when you're putting together your application as a whole, it should feel like we are talking about the same person. So for example, whatever it is that you're talking about that you want to do in the future, which really is the most important part of a personal statement, your projection of the person and the professional and the leader, the entrepreneur that you aspire to be and become, that needs to align with what you're doing now and who you were in the past. And the point from who you are now to who you aspire to become should make sense within the context of the education that you're seeking from that business school. All right, a lot of words, what does that mean concretely? So, for example, if you come to me and say, I want to be an entrepreneur and I'm really excited about getting into the world of fintech and I want to start my own fintech company. But your background is in marketing and you currently work in a marketing role at say PepsiCo or something. Now, there's nothing to say that you cannot get to this goal, but what it does mean is that you're going to have to do a lot of work to basically show how the skills and experiences that you've had Align with your eventual goal of becoming an entrepreneur in the fintech sector. A lot of times I will read people's essays or I will advise clients and it seems like what they have done is they're working in some industry or another and they have read that a certain new industry like fintech or something is the hot new thing that everyone is going into so they feel like they need to tilt their application that way. Or perhaps they actually do want to get into that sector, but they really haven't done much in it, haven't done a ton of homework in that sector, and as a result, their aspiration ends up coming off more like a wish, a pie-in-the-sky dream. And that's not what you want. Now, sometimes the hard answer is you're not ready to apply to business school yet, if that's in fact what you want to do the actual answer might be you need to get a little bit more experience within the the sector or the kind of work that you aspire to do sometimes that's the case other times it's about thinking carefully and in depth about the work that you have done to date and finding out if there are things that you can pull from it that might be relevant to the thing that you aspire to do now this can be hard and this is a lot of times we're working with a consultancy like us you know um at GuruFi or some other place it can really help you to flesh those things out. But kind of the two main takeaways that you should have if you end up doing this yourself or questions that you have in mind as you work with a consultant are, is the, the vision that I project of myself in the future and the person that I am now, do those two people seem like the same person? That's kind of the first question. Because if they seem like they're doing radically different things or you know, grounded in different skill sets and sensibilities, that's not good. And the second thing to think about is, Am I delivering a coherent story where it makes sense, where my past has led to here and here, with the help of the education that the school is going to give me, it makes sense that I will end up getting to where it is that I hope to go. That's what it means to have a coherent three points in a line story. And in talking to Priyanka today, it was really... uh, it was really nice to hear her kind of express that same thing about how she wanted that kind of alignment. And as you work on your personal statement is, and as you put together your applications, it's really vital that you look to do the same thing because that type of coherence will make you seem like a more serious candidate. It will make you seem like a more prepared candidate and it will make the thing that you aspire to be and do and become seem like a much more realistic goal and not just a pie in the sky dream. All right. That's Brian. I'm Brian uh, from GuruFi.com. Uh, once again, I want to thank GMAT Club for hosting this podcast. Uh, GMAT Club is the best spot on the internet for bringing together all kinds of resources. They've got amazing events that they put together. The forum is, is you know, chock full of nuts when it comes to advice. Uh, experts who are on there, they have great reviews for companies like mine and other ones, etc., who are doing this kind of work, so you can get expert rev- uh, expert help on your application uh, in a way that directs you towards success so once again i want to thank gmat club i'm brian with gurufi.com that's g-u-r-u-f-i.com all we do is personal statements so if you need help with personal statement be sure to come check us out at gurufi.com once again i want to thank priyanka patel and gmat club and i'll see you guys next time